Woo! Happy, uh, I guess I should say Merry Christmas. We are in person today and we'll be streaming this live on Christmas Day. So wherever you are in time, either now or later, Merry Christmas. Um, I have the honor of preaching today's message. And I figured, you know, I wanted to try some things today. I figured, you know, 10 a.m. service is a good time to, you know, risk failure. So I'm going to attempt to preach without my notes today. My, uh, my wife has inspired me. She does everything by memory, even if she doesn't remember it. Um, but they're there just in case I forget. And I got LASIK, so I can actually kind of cheat if I need to. But this will give me the you know, the space. Um, So we are obviously, right, if you don't know, in case you are like brand new to this or you've been living under a rock, we are focusing on the birth of Jesus this holiday, this Christmas. Love that two people in church are excited for the birth of Jesus. In our old church, we used to have uh, like this dove painted in the background and Ro would always talk to it. So I'm going to just... Holy Spirit, help him out right now. Holy Spirit, just help him out. We are celebrating the birth of our Savior, our Lord. All right, all right. I thought this was like, dang, I didn't know we were evangelizing today. Nobody. Uh, And so I want to read to you from Luke chapter 2. I'm glad it's on the screens. Thank you, Zab, because... So it says, now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus to register all the empire for taxes. And so where we're coming in here, um, you know, it's almost like a, this is like a spiritual successor to May's message last week. She talked about Mary's encounter with the angel and pardon the interruption. Can we give it up for May's message? Um, and so this is now Mary getting ready to give birth. And so this is where we are, Mary and Joseph. Uh, This was the first registration taken um, when, you can pronounce that at home, um, was the governor of Syria. Everyone went to his own town to be registered. So Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem. Because he was the, of the house of the family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, who was promised in marriage to him, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. Why don't you guys bow your heads, close your eyes as I pray. (sighs) Father, I, I thank you in this moment, Lord, as we commemorate and honor the birth of the son you gave so that we might all be adopted into sonship and set free. I just ask in this moment, God, that you speak to us, Lord. Help me be in tune with you. Any nerves that I have, any... You know how my mind is, God. You made it. Um, Just ask that in this moment, we may all get out of the way of ourselves and be recipients to what your spirit may say, Lord. In your name, we pray. 
Amen. So as I said earlier, we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. December 25th is Jesus' birthday. Right? Maybe not, right? Because we live more than ever um, what my generation, the millennial generation, I think will go down in history at being the greatest at is ruiners. Like we can debunk till the end of us. You can throw a rock, hit a debunk video, like the truth behind Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. And did you know Dr. Kellogg, the guy who invented cereal, was behind one of like the most biggest purity things. Yeah, that's the reason uh, cornflakes were invented had to do with like some weird sketchy stuff and trying to mess with people's libido. I'll leave that, I'll let that linger. Did you know? Did you know? There's a conspiracy behind every door, every TikTok video, and now everything's a TikTok. Like, I was with my niece yesterday, and she was on Pinterest, but Pinterest has a TikTok feature. Snapchat has a TikTok feature. YouTube has a TikTok feature. Pastor Rose on all of them. Um, and now all you need is a TikTok to make you an authoritative source. I truly believe, not Gen Z, but maybe like Gen whatever comes after Z, in their college papers will be able to cite TikTok videos, you know, like, yeah, in TikTok by, you know, the debunkinator at Mark 1 and 30 seconds, they said, did you know Jesus isn't even his name? It's not Jesus. And we were singing Yeshua for a reason earlier. That's his name. Yeshua translates to Joshua. Joshua is a weird, could you imagine Joshua Christ? I know there's power in the name of Jesus. I don't know about the name of Joshua. <laughs> Sorry if your name is Joshua, but it's Yeshua. You know, my oldest brother sent me and my other brothers a video, like this whole breakdown on the real name of Jesus, Yahoshua. The guy's cursing up a storm. I'm like, that seems a little odd. But nowadays, you can find a debunk video everywhere. And Christmas is one of those things. Did you know? you know manger spelled backwards is regnom and regnom is a Norse word which I'm just making this stuff up it's so easy I think I should do it did you know did you know Christmas spells backward is Samrik which means antichrist did you know did you know it's there it's out there um there's so much deliberating because we're all authoritative figures it used to be you have to earn your way to get in front of a camera. Now we all got a camera, and we can just say whatever we want. And credibility, it's funny because we say that we're watching videos, and credibility really just goes by how good quality the video is. Like we were looking up videos, and I was like, nah, I don't trust this guy. I said, I was like, yeah, me either. I was like, yeah, his, his, his video's not in 4K. And it's just, there's no way he knows what he's talking about. He's shooting on a Blackberry phone. I don't believe him. <laughs> That's what credibility looks like. But as complicated as Christmas is, here's my stance. Here's my pastoral stance. You give me excuse, you give me any excuse to celebrate Jesus, I'm going to celebrate Jesus. So maybe December 25th is also the time where they talk about a jolly guy who comes down your chimney and gives you gifts shouting ho, ho, ho. 
I'm going to use that as an opportunity to celebrate the day that God came down into humanity to give the gift of life. And I'm going to shout, holy, holy, holy is his name. We're celebrating New Year's, but I'm going to use that as an opportunity to celebrate the day my Jesus made us new in him. And come Valentine's, I'm going to love on my wife, but I'm also going to take that moment to celebrate the greatest love story ever told, that God so loved the world. That he gave his only son that whosoever believes might have life in him. We celebrate July 4th, the freedom of this country, and we're going to do that. But at the same time, I'm going to take a moment to celebrate the freedom that God has given me. I don't know what holidays come after July, but I know Thanksgiving or October comes up and we celebrate Halloween. And yes, even Halloween. Oh, yeah, Easter. Thank you. I should mention Easter. Kind of the big one after Christmas. I said it in my head when I was going over the notes. As I said, guys, all right, you come up here. And yes, Easter is about his resurrection, and maybe they talk about bunnies and Easter eggs, but I'm going to even take the Easter bunny as a moment. I got you, Jenny. Jenny's big on the Easter bunny to celebrate the time that Jesus hopped on into humanity. And the greatest Easter egg was the empty tomb that was found. Come on, you give me an opportunity to celebrate my Jesus, I'm going to celebrate him. So yeah, even Halloween, I'm going to talk about the fact that Jesus tricked death and tricked the forces of evil and what was used to kill him. Roman crucifixion is now the symbol of hope for humanity. And of course, Thanksgiving is an easy one. I'm going to give thanks for the fact that my God made a way when there was no way. I think that's all the holidays. But my point is, you give me an opportunity to celebrate Jesus. You give me an opportunity to make it about Jesus. You know, people are self-absorbed and self-centered. I'm Jesus-absorbed. I'm Jesus-centered. I'm going to make it about him. Is there a church here that is here to make it about Jesus today? I don't care what the day is. Any day of the week, I'm celebrating Jesus. And the truth of the matter is Jesus having a birthday is weird anyway. Like, I don't know how new you are to this. But the concept of Jesus first existing in the New Testament is awkward because he doesn't. He's actually there, and you can really do a deep dive on what the angel of the Lord is in the Old Testament. But what I, I want to show you is some scriptures. In 1 Peter, it says this, you know that from your empty way of life inherited from your ancestors, this is Peter talking to a Jewish uh, congregation, you were ransomed not by perishable things like silver or gold, but by precious blood like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, namely Joshua. No, Christ. <laughs> he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for your sake. He was known, but he's just December 25th, whatever his birthday is, 
he's just manifested. But he was foreknown before the foundation of the earth. And John says, this is Jesus himself talking. He says, Father, I want those you have given to me, given me to be with me where I am so that they can see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. The last one for this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was fully God. The word was with God in the beginning. All things were created by him, and apart from him, not one thing that was created has been created. How does that have a birthday? Like, birthdays, you celebrate the day you were born into creation, but Jesus is the one through him, through all things were created. It's like whether it's December 25th or Three Kings Day. In, three, in my household, Three Kings Day was the holiday you celebrated when mom couldn't afford to get gifts for Christmas. <laughs> Sorry, it's backup Christmas. The truth of the matter is Jesus was with God. Jesus was fully God. This has been a long journey to my title, but the title of my message is The Arrival. Because Christmas is so much more than just a birthday celebration. Because it's not really like, oh, the day Jesus was born. It's really the day Jesus arrived into humanity and dwelled with us. And, and we can go to John. John continues. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of mankind, and the light shines in the darkness. Later on, it says this in John chapter 1, verse 17, verse 14, sorry. Now the word became flesh and took up residence among us. This is Christmas, church. That the word arrived and took up residence among us. His birth was so much more than a birth. And I want to postulate to you guys today that we're celebrating in quite a different way than I think traditionally we celebrate Christmas. And to do that, I want to look at the life of Mary again. Danny's going to sing, Mary, did you know? <laughs> Mary, did you know? I've had that on repeat. Um, this is Mary after the drama with the angel and her panic attacks. Because if the angel of Maury Povich showed up to your house and was like, yo, you're pregnant. Um, <laughs> I just heard Lula say, I'm like, that's not my baby. That's why you chose Mary, Lord. Um, but after she's accepted this, she shows up to her cousin's house, and she begins to sing. I'm going to sing this for you. I'm kidding. My soul exalts the Lord, 
And my, my spirit has begun to rejoice in God my Savior, because he has looked upon the humble state of his servant. For from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And because he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, from generation to generation, he is merciful to those who fear him. He has demonstrated power with his arm. He has scattered those whose pride wells up from the sheer arrogance of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up those of lowly positions. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is Mary's reaction. And like Jesus isn't even on the scene yet. But her idea of Christmas was God has fulfilled his promise. Her idea of Christmas was he has lifted up the lowly. Her idea of Christmas was that he has been merciful. Her idea of Christmas was he chose me. This lowly servant girl, teenage girl, this is the first episode of 16 and Pregnant that ever existed. They stole it from the Bible. I'm just going to go on record. Mary, it's well documented. Mary was of teenage age. Teenage age. Um, and I just think, like, for her to be a teenager and understand the power of what was about to go down, to know that she existed in a point in history, she knew. She said, I'm going to be exalted. She didn't even, I wonder if she knew how, how exalted, because there are places where she's prayed to. But she knew this moment. And I think, like, what that must have meant had to be remembered in her family. Because it's 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament takes place. And 400 years of intentional silence. Not a prophecy goes out. Not a letter goes out. Not anything from the Lord. 400 years of silence. I get mad when God makes me hold on to a promise for a week. Like, Lord, you said you're going to give us a building. You know, before Amanda, Lord, you said, they're going to be my wife. So I said, they're going to be my wife. <laughs> I tell Amanda all the time, I'm like, if I knew you were waiting, I would have saved myself the headache. Like, if I knew you were what was to come, like, just, just would have just so much grief. 400 years. And I, I think of, like, how much that legacy and that promise must have been told and reminded and passed down like no our savior is coming our god is coming he will uplift us he will save us he will redeem us he's coming for 4 
hundred years to the point that this teenage girl knew it well. It doesn't say in their conversation, the angel says these things to her. He just says, the son of God dwells in you. Boom. Punto. That's what Spanish people say. He doesn't break this down. She just knew. Because for 400 years, to know that, oh, no, 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 the promise goes back to our ancestors. This promise goes back to Abraham. It goes back to his descendants forever. This was so much more to her. And, I, like, I think about our family, my family. We don't have a big family. Every time I have a conversation with Lucas, I'm like, because Lucas got, like, eons and eons of family members. It's crazy. He has brothers, stepbrothers, half-brothers, half-siblings, half-sisters. It's just complicated. I have my three brothers, my mother, a cousin, an uncle, a deceased aunt, and my father somewhere in New York. Like, like our family tree, our, our legacy is like, yeah, mom came from Costa Rica. She became a teacher. She had us. Like that's, that's our story. That's somewhere in there. Mostly when my brothers are talking about their trauma. Um, like, that's our family. But in Mary's family, like, and it's just well known that this is what Jewish culture of the time did. They memorized and quoted and held on and memorized scripture. And so for Mary to hold on to this promise, like, I think so often we think of Christmas as this, I, I think we celebrate Christmas the way we celebrate our favorite team, our favorite football team winning a Super Bowl. Or like someone gets a promotion at a job, you know, or like since there's baseball fans here, your favorite baseball team winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> I just knew that was going to agitate people. <laughs> um, but it's, it's not that kind of celebration. And as I reflected and, and thought about this church, like what my heart was to tell you is is like this was the kind of celebration that you celebrate after being stranded on an island for years and then you see a boat coming then you see a helicopter coming this is battling cancer and and i think we have cancer survivors here actually for years and then you finally get the report dealing with an illness dealing with a broken heart dealing with sickness for years and then you finally get your breakthrough. Dealing with rejection and pain for years. And then you finally start to see a glimmer of hope. This is what we're celebrating. And it's hard because we live in the victory. We live post-Easter. But, but as we remember Christmas, church, sit in the shoes 400 years holding on to a promise. And you get the news. Mary's the first to hear about it. Imagine she was the last to find out. That'd be crazy. But Mary's the first to hear. God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham. 
like Abraham is like Bible 101. Like he's the first guy. Everything else is a prequel. Abraham is like the Luke Skywalker of the Old Testament. She says, all the way up until Abraham, this is the promise. And like, so it's more than 400 years. It's from the time of Abraham. And I'll, I'll tell you, it's actually way more than that. Because at, at the end of Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve um, have fallen, God issues a promise. And he says, your offspring will crush the head of this serpent. And it's going to bruise his heel. But he will have the victory. The victory part, I just have to say because I'm a preacher, right? Like, I'm like, that's not out there in the Bible. But the studies show that that is the first prophecy of Jesus, that Eve will have an offspring. And that from the line of Eve, and that's why genealogies are all in the Bible. They're trying to show you and keep record and remember we're waiting for the one who's going to crush the head. We're waiting. Again, we can take it for granted because we don't have to wait. Like, that's the beauty, church. Like, we can call on his name right now. But could you imagine being in the waiting and God arrives? I'm going to look at my notes. A lot of that was off tangent. And so this is the time where we reflect on the arrival of hope, the arrival of salvation, the arrival of restoration. And look at where Jesus arrives. So we opened with Luke 2. This is where Jesus is born. So she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You know, what I want to conclude with, church, is what are the parts of your life that Jesus has not yet arrived in? You know, and it, it's a Christmas message. We're here on 10 a.m., and so I, I feel like I can, pre like, if you're here, You've given your life to Jesus, most likely. If you're listening, like, for those of you who've, who've come to this part of your journey, you've, you've given your life to Jesus. But, but there are these areas that he's not yet arrived. And, and maybe, maybe you haven't. Maybe you don't know this God. Maybe you've heard about him. And like the whole thing, he's not arrived. And you've just been living in the gap. Where has Jesus not arrived in your lives? It's like there's parts of my life that I know my wife will tell you. He's not yet arrived. And like honestly, in a candid moment, because I'll never tell you guys something I'm not having to walk through. Like in my own marriage, I'm five months in. And I'm like, oh, you know, I thought the pastor with the bachelor's in psychology was going to get this right. But man, nothing will show you how much you need Jesus and how unhealed you are like marriage. My married people. <laughs> like nothing. Like there's, I can't even look at her. But like there's parts of my marriage that like Jesus is just vacant 
something. If you make a man to cry, there's something wrong with you. And I have. And I, you know, I've asked the man, I was like, can I talk about, you know, some of the stuff we've been going through? And she rolled her eyes. She's like, yeah. Amanda deals with, like, you know, she's like, wants to start putting, like, copyright claims on our life because she feels like any story can be used. <laughs> you know, today I told her as I was reflecting on this, I'm like, you know, you don't deserve that. And I'm sorry. Like, you got your stuff. She's not perfect, guys, but you don't deserve my impatience, my anger. Like, you don't deserve that. She's like, thank you. And I go, okay, tell me what I don't deserve. She goes, me. <laughs> we have too many females in this church. Men. <laughs> All right. Ugh. But it's true, like, my marriage as a son, like, you know, yesterday was my mother's birthday, and in the truest statement, I said, Ma, you are so much better of a mother than I am a son. And I know that because Yayo's her favorite, Pastor Rome. Literally, Foe gives her a card about like, I was, I think you deserve the card from a son who always listens to you, never talk back and honors you. And then it opens it and he's, and the, the inside of the card's like, but I didn't know who that son, that kid was. And my mom goes, oh, that's Rolando. But honestly, like, I know as a son, like, there's such impatience. My mom just turned 68 yesterday, and, like, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but she's learning, and, like, she's patient with me, and she's, I'm like, it's weird, because I'm like, that's not how you raised me. You didn't talk to me like that. And then it just reveals, like, the ugliness in me. And every time we argue, it's just like, it's like, I'm supposed to tell you guys what to do. <laughs> you know, I'm supposed to be like, you don't forgive. I don't want to forgive. We're doing this, this podcast and, you know, in it there's this verse that the pastor quotes in what we're looking at and it's in Luke and I hate it because he says, if someone wrongs you seven times in a day, forgive them. I could forgive someone who wrongs me seven times in a week, 30 times in a month. I just... I struggle with seven times in a day. There's, the truth of the matter is, church, there is ugliness in this heart. Because there are just parts of me that Jesus has not arrived in. And, I, and I, like, I would be remiss here because I have some relationships with you guys. And I'm just keen, keenly aware, like, it's been a hard December. Like, a lot, I, I know some of you guys, we've talked, like, there's been a lot going on. Like the Christmas spirit doesn't feel that Christmassy. If it's even there. Christmas spirit right now, I just need holy, holy spirit. And there's just parts of us that Jesus has not yet arrived into. And it's hard. It's hard. But Jesus was born in a manger. want to know like the thing I'm good at I'm not good at this thing I promise like, I'm not again Amanda will tell you I'm not but this is one thing that I know 
is that Jesus wants my manger. He wants the dirty place, the messy place, where, where there's no place for him in the inn. He wants the manger. And like, I want to tell you, like, like, I think this was so much more than an accident. Like, God could have chose a rich family. He could have chose a wealthy Jewish family. He didn't. And he ends up born in a manger, like the arrival of our king, our prince of peace, our champion, our savior. He is born in this dirty, stinky place, wrapped in strips of cloth. then he spends the rest of the life his life while he's here on earth like Jesus could have came died and given us Easter given us the salvation given us the resurrection and boom we're happy and we're in him but he chooses to spend 33 years with the dirty people the outcasts the broken people the people that nobody wanted anything to do with the sick the people who'd given up on life he's amongst the sinners and the religious people can't even comprehend it they're like if you're god why are you in the ugly places? Why are you in the dirty places? Why are you in the parts of the city that we don't go near? They're outcasts. We send them out of the city so we don't have to think about them. He says, it's not the healthy who need a hospital. He wants your sickness, church. He wants that ugly part of you that you don't even look at, that you don't even acknowledge, that you would be mortified and embarrassed if someone ever saw he wants to be born there this Christmas he wants to arrive in your manger this Christmas church so where hasn't he arrived as, as we stand Hebrews 4 we're gonna end here like this is what I know like in my ugliest places like the other day it's funny because John talked about how I used to be an atheist the other day me and Amanda took a nap I swear all honesty I woke up atheist I was just like everything's meaningless like this just doesn't exist this is nonsense I turn around Amanda wakes up she's like sees that I'm like I just start crying and she's like what's wrong and I'm like I'm just like spitting Ecclesiastes like it's all meaningless like it's all just meaningless just feeling like not hopelessness like I don't know if you've ever been there it's not hopelessness it's like pointlessness like <sighs> but I have a God and this is what kept me like I have a God that I can go to in my atheistness like, I have a God that I could say, yeah, I don't think you're real today. I have a God that I can go to and say, like, yeah, I just don't get the point of all this today. Like, that's the kind of God we serve, that I can go to him in my brokenness. I can just be broken in front of him and say, like, God, I can't. Like, would you just arrive here? Because I just can't. I can't, I can't see the way out. It, it, it's the 400 year gap for me today and I just can't see it. But I have a God who Hebrew says this about. We do not have a high priest incapable of sympathizing with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way 
just as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us confidently approach the throne of grace to receive mercy and find grace whenever you need help. You want to know the biggest level up to your faith, church? Is when we realize that grace is not just for sinning. We find grace when we need help. We find grace when we're weak. We find grace when we're there before him. Why can't we confidently approach him? Because he's not incapable. Why was Jesus here for, like, why? Like, why were you here for 33 years? What was the point? You could have just peaced out, shown up, given us the forgiveness. But there I say he was here so that he can say, no, I know your weakness. Like, I was betrayed. I was backstabbed. I was lied. I was rejected. I was hurt. I was abandoned. I was beaten. I was abused. I was hurt. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. And you can come to me with that. Because I do get it. The only difference is Jesus knows the way out. Because he is the way out. So this Christmas, as we reflect on his birth, like, again, I don't know where you are. But I do want you to ask yourself, like, Lord, where do you need to arrive in my heart? And just know he wants your manger. It didn't, it didn't come for us because we were doing good. It came for us because we were doing bad. So he wants that part of you, that ugly part of you. Let me pray. Jesus, I love you so much. And I thank you for giving me the honor to do this. And I just ask that, will you just come down this Christmas, Lord? All we want is you. All we need is you. Like, will you just come down and arrive in our hearts? Arrive in our hearts, Lord. Because you're all that we need. 